Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. Going. We started a series last week that we called Say What? And the idea behind this series is this, this premise here, that there are things in the Bible that if you read them, they, sometimes they don't really make a lot of sense, right? We love the statements of Jesus that say, for God so loved the world. Like, we love that. We get that. We, we memorize that. Or that Jesus said that I'm the resurrection and the life. Like, we get that. But what do you do, like we talked about last week, what do you do when Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood? Like, that's weird, right? That, that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but, you know, when Cassie and I started dating, I was trying to use some of those pickup lines on her. Let me, let me tell you right up front, one of the pickup lines that I, yep, one of the pickup lines that I did not use was, hey, Cassie, why don't you eat my flesh and drink my blood? That doesn't even make sense. That doesn't help in any kind of dating context. But maybe you're new to Christianity. Maybe it's been the last couple of weeks or something that you've been here, or maybe you've explored the Bible, and you're reading it, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense to you. That's what we want to do. We want to hit those spots that when you read them, they kind of trip you up for a little bit. They kind of mess you up. They don't make sense. And so what I'd like to tell you first is it's not that the Bible isn't making sense. It's just that we have to understand it in its context and what it really is trying to say. And so this morning, I'm going to pray because we have a very, very hard scripture that we're going to talk about. And I just want to make sure that the Holy Spirit uses me and us together to kind of go through this scripture. So if you don't mind, let's pray together. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. In this place right here, right now, God, I pray that you would just use the words that, Lord, I believe you've given me to speak your truth clearly. God, as we read some of these scriptures, it doesn't make sense, but God, we know that you can give us understanding. And Lord, today, God, I pray, I know that in Tulsa, there's an Ironman uh, marathon going on. Lord, I pray that people would quit asking me if I'm going to compete in that. It's in your name I pray, amen. All right, let's jump into this right now. Ha- have you ever been in a situation, have you ever been in a, in, a, in a life situation where you thought you had it all together? Like you thought you had all of it hanging on, like you knew what you are doing, you had it under control just to find out that you didn't have it under control. Have you ever been in that situation? Uh, I'm just going to say this, I have a... I have a love-hate relationship with water, okay? Um, that's a weird sentence to say, but let me explain why. Like, I'm down for showers, down for bottled water, love all that, that's great. I'm there with you on that. But like, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I don't know how to swim, okay? That was never a part of when I grew up. I don't know if you know about me or not, you should know this. I'm a gangster, okay? And so I grew up in a kind of poor part of town. We didn't have a community pool. We definitely didn't have a pool. We weren't vacation people. Growing up, my mom's version of a vacation was loading up the car, going to Cheapo Depot on Saturdays. That's what my mom was all about. And so I was never a big swimming person. Actually, the closest pool that I ever had in my life is actually Larry and Donna Moore's house. I would swim. I remember many summers swimming at their house. And I'm, I'm an average, at best, dog paddler, okay? That's, that's what I can get through in my life. And so whenever I'd go swimming at their house, you know, all the guys would go swim on the deep side of it, and I'd just kind of hang out on the shallow end, just making fun of everyone, just make myself feel better about myself. And I'd stay on the shallow end, and I'd stay in that spot, and, and just never really ever learn how to swim. Anyone not know how to swim in this room? I know Lindsay does. All right, at least I feel comfortable with that. So when I was a teenager and growing up in this youth group, one of the things that I, I learned is a lot of people love to go to Big Splash, all right? And I don't think Big Splash is like, I don't think it's even called Big Splash. I think it's like Safari Joe's or 
some weird kind of like Tiger King thing, but it, it's, what this, it's what this place is. And, and my friends, when I was in youth group, we wanted to go to Big Splash all the time. By we, them, not me. They wanted to go to Big Splash all the time. And so I would always, usually when it was time to go to Big Splash, I'd find a reason to go home because there was no point in me going there. It wasn't good. But I couldn't get out of it this time. And so all our friends, they called us up, we're going to go to Big Splash. And so we load up in the car, and, and we start to head to Big Splash. And already in my mind, I've already got myself connected. I've already kind of calibrated my mind to understand that when I get to Big Splash, they're all going to run around and have fun, and I'm going to sit and be the creepy guy that's in the kiddie pool. That's what I've got to do. I don't have any other theme, or I might die. And so we go to Big Splash, and we're getting around, and I'm just kind of doing my thing. And all my friends, they gather up and say, hey, we want to try the wave pool. I don't know if you know what the wave pool is or not, but it's actually something that was created when sin entered into the world, okay? It was a, it's a devious, evil idea that comes from the straight pits of hell. And so my friend said, hey, we're going to get into the wave pool. And I was trying to figure out a way to get out of it, but there was no way I could get out of it. So I, I had the idea. I said, okay. I went and looked at it, saw the wave pool, saw what it looked like, said, okay, I know what I can do. I, I have a plan here. I've got this under control. Because in the wave pool... They had these bars on the side that you could hold on to. And I figured, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in there, I'm going to hold on to the bars, and I'm going to be good. I'm just going to lock in, and then nothing's going to happen. And so we get in the wave pool, and I'm in this water, gripped with fear, and I grab a hold of the bars. And it's kind of one of these things where I'm just kind of holding out, looking like this for a second, just, just holding on. And the wave pool starts, and if you don't, again, know what the wave pool is, it really is. It's a pool that they just waves everywhere. And so my plan was, hold on to the bars, I'm locked in, I'm good. And so we get in there, the wave pool starts, it gets crazy, but I'm holding on. And I've got control, I'm not going anywhere, I'm, I'm good. But that was just level one of the wave pool. I guess this thing gets worse and worse and worse as this story goes. And so I'm holding on to the bar, and then the next round of the wave pool happens, and here's what I didn't factor into all of this. 50 little kids in the wave pool. And as I'm holding on, and holding on for dear life, a bunch of kids just start hitting me over and over and over because they're not holding on, and I let loose because I couldn't hold on any farther. And so at this point, I'm thrashing around in water. At this point, I'm basically dying. At this point, I'm crying out to Jesus like Peter cried out to Jesus when he was out of the boat saying, Lord, help me. I'm drowning. This is what I'm crying. I'm getting saved. I'm getting resaved. I'm getting rededicated. Then I'm getting saved again. I'm trying to figure out what's going on in my life. I'm thrashing about not knowing where I'm going, not knowing what's happening. And finally, it stops. And then I get out of the I get out of the water and I realize my plan didn't work. So we get out of the water, all my friends are like, Matt, what happened to you? And so I can't tell them that I was scared. So I was like, no, I, no, I, that was the, that's what I wanted to do, right? That's, I had to be big and bad, that's what I wanted to do. Here's what I didn't factor into that part when I said that. When I said that's what I wanted to do, I immediately vomited everywhere, okay? Because I had so much water inside of me. So you really can't look cool, you can't really act awesome and tough whenever you're vomiting everywhere, okay? And so they had to clear the place out, and at least justice for me was they had to shut that area down for a little bit after that, after that happened. You've been in that place where you thought you had it under control and you never really did. Today we're going to talk about three people in the Bible, three characters in the Bible who thought that they had it and realized that they really didn't have it at all. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9. Are you guys with me right now? Okay. 
Chapter 9 of Luke's story is really what we would call a hinge moment in the Gospels. This is a moment that really sets the stage for everything else that happens in Jesus' life. From Luke chapter 1 to Luke chapter 8. You're hearing Jesus' birth. You're hearing the story of the miracles he did. You're hearing all these cool things that he did. But Luke chapter 9 is really this moment where everything shifts. It's really this moment where everything in his life changes. It's really this moment where he directs himself towards one certain spot in the Bible. And one certain spot with the cross. You see, in Luke chapter 9, you see these really awesome stories. So this is where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. You see in this chapter that Peter confesses to Jesus that you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You see in this, in this chapter that Jesus is up on the hill, and he has this moment of transfiguration with Moses and Elijah showing up, and the disciples seeing it. This is beautiful moment. And I love the disciples in this chapter because they're just like you and me. Because after this moment of seeing Moses and Elijah, seeing these heavenly characters, about an hour later, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, right? That's, they, they get into this argument. And really what I love about chapter 9 is Jesus and his disciples, they're going through this town of Samaria. And the Samaritans, they, they, they reject them. They're, they're not good to them. And so the disciple walked up to Jesus, and I love this. This is me, if I'm a disciple. They walk up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, probably quietly, hey, Jesus, um, do you want me to, <clears throat> just want to ask, do, do, you, do you want me to call down fire from heaven and kill everyone here? Like, I, I love that, that they see Jesus in his glory, and then a couple minutes later, hey, let's just kill these people. Like, I, 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 like, and so some of you are like, hey, that's weird. Okay, drive in Tulsa traffic, and then tell me that's not you in every bit of your life. Drive down Highway 97 when every single light there is red, and tell me you don't want to kill every single person in that thing. Drive down Highway 97 when a little old lady, let's call her Mindy, is blocking half of the traffic, okay? Like, like that's, that's, you want to do something there, so don't act like you're better than me today. I love this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, everything shifts. And I want to read this scripture. When the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he, he's Jesus, determined to journey to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the cross. Jerusalem was the trial. Jerusalem was the mission accomplished for him. And I love this scripture because what it's telling us is Jesus, and another version of it says that he just saw that. He looked towards it. He determined his eyes to go there. That everything else that he had done, that was great. But now my focus is right here. My focus is go to the cross. And so everything post verse 51, everything past this, we have to look at it in context to verse 51. Everything after this is just straight on to the mission. He determined his face. He set his mind to go to Jerusalem. And then we go to Luke chapter 9. And these are the verses that we're going to talk about that are really, really odd if you really think about them. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. Here's what it says. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus told him, foxes have dens, the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Verse 59. Then he said to another, follow me, Lord. Oh, well, he said, then he said to another person, follow me. And the guy said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But he told him, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Okay, all right, cool. Verse 61, another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Okay, so let's just say on the onset of this, these are weird verses. These are weird. These don't make a lot of sense. This guy comes up to him and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, cool, I don't have a pillow. Like, I don't have a hotel tonight. 
So you want to follow me? Another one comes up and says, hey, Jesus, I want, Jesus looks at a guy and says, Jesus, he looks at a guy and says, why don't you follow me? The guy says, hey, I'm there. I'm going to follow you, but like my dad died, so let me go take care of that. And Jesus says, no, no, let, let them bury themselves. I don't even know how it makes sense. Another one says, Jesus, I'll follow you. And he says, okay, but if you put your hand in the plow and you look around, you're not going to be worthy of me. These are weird sayings. And so what are we seeing in this story? Here's, here's, I think, one of the biggest parts of this story. Jesus is challenging our priorities. He's challenging your priorities. I want you to really put in your mind real fast. Think about if you're going to write out a list, what are the priorities in your life? What are they? What's at the top of your list? Is it family? Is it work? Is it church? Is it Jesus? What are the priorities in your life? And now here's the deal. It's easy to say, well, Jesus is the top priority. But then I want you to really start thinking about your life and seeing where he is on that list. What are you spending your time on? What are you spending your talents with? What are you, what are you spending your treasure on? What, what, what are your real priorities in life? This whole story, this whole section is Jesus challenging your priorities and my priorities. Because there's a tendency in every single one of us to say, I love Jesus with my mouth, but not live it out with our lives. And this is what he's doing. What are your priorities? And so Jesus wants all of us to know it has to be Jesus over everything in our life. In your life, what are we putting over Jesus? Right? What, what, are, we, what are we putting on top of that? What are we, what's at the top of our list? And so again, I'm going to just talk about these three characters. There's three points because I'm a pastor and that's what we do with three points. And so we're going to do these three characters real fast. Here's the first one. Jesus is challenging our comfort. He's challenging our comfort. Verse 57 says like this, as they're traveling on the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have dens and the birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man, the favorite thing he called himself out of Daniel, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. When I was growing up, I used to get so mad at my mom because we were always dirt poor. And I don't know how this worked out, but my mom was always stuck on watching the QVC channel, okay? I don't know if any of you guys were QVC people or not, but my mom was all about the QVC channel. She was calling people up. She was doing all this stuff. I said, hey, mom, why don't you, um, <clears throat> why don't you work on the heat first? Why don't we get some running water in this house first? Sorry, that was stupid. Um, <laughs> she's going to be in the next service. I won't use that illustration. But, um, <laughs> but that's for real, too. Um, I said, why don't, why don't, what, what are you doing here? What, what, like, why are we... Why are you on this all the time? And I used to get so mad at her because she just focused on like buying all this junk off QVC. And I used to get so judgmental about that until I learned about an app called TikTok. And on TikTok, there's this little trend called TikTok made me buy it. And it's pretty dangerous when you have Amazon Prime. And so I learned that I would scroll through things and figure out, hey, these things will make my life better. These things will make my life way more comfortable. My wife will fight me on all of these, but I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to take a little survey of you guys because these are actual fights. We're going to do some counseling today. These are actual fights that Cassie and I have had. And so with a thumbs up or a thumbs down, I'm going to ask you if this was a worthy purchase or not. So I was scrolling through TikTok and I found this thing that they call an ice genie. Aaron, I think it's on there. This is called an ice genie. Okay. Now here, let me tell you what this is. I have a refrigerator. It's awesome. It has an ice maker, but this one, if you fill it up with water, in four hours, it comes out like little bitty balls of ice. It's incredible. It's an awesome, awesome thing. I've used it one time and I've had it for a year, but it's still, it's an awesome idea. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Let me see it. Thumb, 
Thank you. Oh, praise Jesus. There we go. We have some Christians in the room today. All right. Here's, here's the second thing. I bought this car sensor. You know, not that one yet, Aaron. I bought this car sensor. And let me just be honest with you. I don't know anything about cars. But I bought a car sensor because it's supposed to tell me all the lights on my dash. I don't know if you ever get in my car. It's going to look like a Christmas tree when I turn the car on because there's so many lights on. And so I, would, I found this car sensor on, on TikTok. And if you plug it in, it's supposed to give you all the codes that are off on your car. Problem is... I didn't know where to plug it in at. And I Googled and YouTubed and everything. I couldn't find it, okay? So there's that. And then I, then I did find the place to plug it in at, and it connects to my phone, which is awesome. And then it would bring up all these codes. Well, I didn't know how to find out what those codes meant at all. And so um, that car sensor is still sitting in there, um, but I haven't figured anything out with it. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thank you. Crazy. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Here's the last one. Aaron, just go ahead and shame me. Um, any side sleepers in the room? Anyone sleep on their side? Okay, this is called a pillow cube, all right? And it's amazing, it's incredible. It's for a side sleeper. Most of the days it's on the floor, but it's a side sleeper. Now, the problem that Cassie had with this is, didn't realize that when I bought it, maybe I did, maybe I'm lying, um, but it was <clears throat> $130, and so... Um, Talk about your Starbucks addiction if we're going to get that far, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. But um, the pillow cube was an awesome, awesome idea. Don't really use it all that much. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, weak. I hate you all. Okay. These are supposed to make my life more comfortable, but in the end, it's caused more fights in my house than I could even understand. This story goes that a man comes up to Jesus and says, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, if you really want to sign up for this, like if this is really what you want to do, you need to understand a couple things. First off, I don't have a place to sleep here tonight. Like I don't have a pillow. Like if you're wanting comfort in your life, if you think following after me is going to make your life a lot easier, I need you to know that it's actually going to be really, really hard. And I think sometimes in church we peddled this idea that if you just come to Jesus, your life is going to get 100% better, that everything is going to be roses and sunshine and life is going to be awesome and you're going to move forward and like everything is going to be incredible. And I need you to understand today, this is the worst car salesman pitch you'll ever get today. But getting and following Jesus does not make your life better. But here's what it does mean. It means in those hard times, it means in those tough times, it means in those seasons of life where everything feels like it's turned upside down and nothing's working the way it's supposed to work, it means that he's still there with you. That if you understand this truth of all truths, that the gift, you don't need a gift, you need the giver of the gift. That the treasure in your life is not this thing that you buy off TikTok, or not this big achievement you get at your job, or not this big amount of money in your 401k. The treasure of your life is that no matter what happens, he's still with you. And that's the gospel. And that's what we have to believe. And I want you to know this as well. I've been saved for a long, long, I've been saved longer than I've been not saved. And I need you to understand, my life has been completely made better because of Jesus. I promise you this, if you follow Jesus, you're going to get tough times, but Jesus gives you comfort, Jesus gives you peace, Jesus gives you joy. And so I don't want you to turn away from this idea, but I need you to understand that when you hit a wall, when you hit a rough time, it's not that Jesus failed you, it's that the world around us is so broken. And there's coming a day where Jesus rides in on the cloud and says, come back to me. And he completes it and finishes it all. And, and so this is, this is the gospel. 
And I think so many times we, we believe that, man, if we can just we go to Jesus, it'll get better, and then, then it gets rough, and, and where was he? And the scriptures actually tell us in John 16 that in this world you'll have tribulation. He didn't say you might. He said you will. But be of good cheer because why? I've overcome this world. And so he's looking at this guy and saying, you want to follow me? You need to understand what following me entails because I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to be abandoned by everyone around me. I'm about to die a brutal death. Are you ready to follow that? Think about the 12 disciples and their deaths and what happened with them. These brutal, brutal deaths that they went through. Following Jesus is a life of joy, but don't go to Jesus because of the perks. Go to him because he's the treasure over everything else. Number two, let's keep going. Jesus challenges our cop-outs. Verse 59, then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. But he told him, let the, bed, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. This is one of the hardest sayings in the Bible. When you read this, you're sitting there thinking, let the dead bury the dead? Like, where's your compassion? This guy's dad just died. Let me give you just some real quick Bible college stuff that really didn't help me much, but it's still gonna be good for all of us. There's a thing called exegesis and a thing called eisegesis. Big words, they, 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 you're not gonna remember them, but exegesis is the idea that we're gonna go through the scripture, we're gonna go through line by line, we're gonna see what the scripture means, and when you look at scripture, you interpret scripture through scripture. Eisegesis says, I'm gonna look at the Bible and I'm gonna bring my own ideas, my own opinions onto it, okay? You have to look at this through the lens of scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. Does that make sense? And so what I'm saying here is when the Bible tells us to honor our father and mother, he's not negating what Jesus is saying right here. They all work together. And so what I think we need to get to in this is there's a real cultural separation in this. So in this time period, in antiquity, in this time period, when someone would die, most of the villages that people lived in, there was about 40 to 60 people that lived in that village. So everyone pretty much knew everyone. So death was a huge deal in these communities. And there's always strict procedures that would happen if someone died. So we can just assume that if this man's father had died, he probably had touched him. He probably held his hand as he was dying. And at that point, the law would make him ceremonially unclean, which would mean that he couldn't be out in public anywhere. He'd have to be locked up for a quarantine for a while. And then let's just think in our own life. Okay, if this man's dad has just died, would he not be at the would he not be with the family? Would he not? Like, you, you've been to funerals. Maybe you've had someone pass away in your life. You stay with your family for quite a bit of time. Here, here's what I think is happening right here. I don't think the guy's dad's really dead at all. It's a cop-out. He, he, he he, there's something else at play here. He, he's saying maybe Jesus, like, I'm going to follow you, but let me, let, me let, my, let me let my dad pass. Let me get past this, and then I'll come and get you. Then I'll come find you and we'll be good. Maybe the guy was a devout Jew and he didn't want to tell his family that he's about to change everything. He didn't want to let his dad know that his whole life was about to be changed by Jesus. But maybe the bigger thing and what most theologians think is this guy was waiting for his dad to pass because his dad had a big inheritance and he was going to get some of these. And so, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but... These are ones, by the way. Uh, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but... I need, you to, I need you to know this. Like, I got a lot back here. When I get that, then I'll come follow you. And by the way, this back here, this will be really, really good for you someday. This will be good for you. So I need to do this. He, he justified it in his own mind. There's inheritance coming. This guy's dad wasn't dead. This was an excuse. This was a cop-out. Here's what I think is happening. 
But Jesus calls to him and says, follow me. This is the only one that he walks up to and says, why don't you follow me? And he pushes back on him. You know what he says here? I, I love this. He says, Lord first. I need you to know right there, that's an oxymoron, okay? You can't say, Lord first. You're the Lord of my life, but first, right? You, you're everything, God. You're everything in my life. You're my master. You're everything I need, but first let me do this. That, that doesn't work. He has to be the Lord of your life. Jesus can't be the Savior of your life if he's not the Lord of your life. And I need you to understand that today. Because so many of us, we say, Jesus, I love you. What a beautiful name it is. We'll sing it right in here. But when we walk out of those doors and you go to work and you go to whatever spot of your life, we say, God, I do what I do, and then I'll give you some later. And that's tough. You can't say, Jesus, Lord, if you're still running your own life. Jesus has to be above our own excuses. Look right here, I want you to get this today. What is your Lord first? What is it in your life? Well, Lord, I know I need to get out of this relationship, but first, but first, let me see if I can work on him. Lord, when I get out of this busy season, everything's just so busy in life, then I'm gonna go serve. But right now, it's just not, it's just not the right time for me. When, when I get a little bit more money, yeah, then I'll tithe. But just right now, things are just, things are just really kind of tight right now. I heard a pastor say one time, if you're stingy poor, you'll be stingy rich, okay? And so it, it's this idea of one day. And can I tell you something? Can we get this idea of someday and one day out of our vocabulary? Because that's not who Christians are. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God, it advances, and it advances aggressively. Not someday, but today. That whatever your life looks like, you move towards it today. Because here's the truth. If you're saying someday I'll get to it, you're never going to get to it. I've had so many people sit in my office. Pastor Brent will tell you the same thing. I've had so many people sit in my office saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all in here. I'm going to make this happen someday. But someday it doesn't always come. Stop waiting to go serve the poor. Stop waiting to go love your wife like Christ loved the church. Go and preach the gospel. Go and preach it wherever you live, in your neighborhoods, in your schools. What if instead of going to work and clocking in and clocking out and seeing employees and coworkers, what if we saw that as our mission field? Not someday I'm gonna invite them to church. No, like this week I'm gonna invite them to church. Not someday am I gonna really have a conversation about Jesus with them. No, today I'm gonna have that conversation. What if we quit giving our lives to temporal things and we gave them to eternal things, right? Right, I mean, it, it sounds cheesy because I hear it so many times, but when, when you die, what are you taking with you? Nothing. The Bible tells us that someone will walk into heaven and he'll say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want that to be me. I want that to be us. He's not saying hate your parents. He's saying, put your excuses away. Put your excuses away. Today is the day. This is the day. I don't know what it is for you, but today is the day. Number three, you guys still with me right now? And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jackson, if you don't mind, will you come pull this thing up here for me? So the next guy, he sounds like the first one. He says, I want to follow you, but first let me, let me go and 
Let me go and talk to my parents. Let me go and tell my family what's about to happen. Let me, let me go back there and talk to them. What he's asking isn't really a bad thing at all. It's, it's not rough. I mean, it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing. But Jesus knew his heart. Jesus understand, you can just pick it up, son. You just pick it up, bad. There you go. He's not asking him to do a bad thing. It's really a good thing. His family, like connect to him and, and get there with him. But he says, there you go. Let's hear for Jackson. Come on. Thank you, buddy. Good job, cowboy. I'm going. This right here, I didn't know this, and I might not even be holding it right. Am I holding it bad the other way? Whoopsie. We always have a second service. This right here is a plow. I don't know if you know or not, but I'm a farmer as well. Um, obviously. I don't know where to go from here. Uh, this is a plow, and this is one of the things that they were talking about. The guy comes up to him and says, hey, Jesus, um, I'm, I'll follow you. I'll follow you. And she said, okay, but I, I, need to, I need to go back and tell my family. I got, I got to go tell them that, hey, I love them. They've been awesome to me, but I'm going to go change my life. And Jesus says, hey, if you put your hands to this plow and you turn around, you're not worthy of the gospel. You're not worthy of me. Here's, here's why. In antiquity, when there was a farmer, they would grab their plow, and you guys know the story. Grab their plow, and they have to set themselves forward. They have to look completely forward. They couldn't get off their line. They just have to walk straight so they can make their straight rows. Here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, if you're doing that, you're looking forward, and then you turn around, what happens? Everything turns. You get off your path. You get turned around. The way you thought you were walking, the way you thought you were going, it gets off. It gets messed up. It's not what you should be doing. It's not where you're supposed to be at. Let me turn this over. This is what he's telling you. Set your eyes forward. Go to where you're supposed to go. Jesus knew that if this guy went back, he probably was never going to come forward. For you and me, it's true. If you're constantly looking back at the good old days, if you're constantly looking back at that old girlfriend, that old boyfriend, you're not going to move forward. You're constantly looking back at those regrets in that past, you're not gonna move forward. If you're constantly looking back at that ex-husband, if you're constantly looking back at that ex-wife, if you're constantly looking back at that old job, you're not gonna move forward. And here's the truth, what was back there, that was one season and you're in a new season. Don't look back. The past is so enticing. The past calls back to us. I always think about the story of the Israelites and Moses. Moses leads them out of captivity and they're out of slavery, slavery. And they leave and they're in the wilderness and they're walking and they're walking and they're walking and they're going and they yell at Moses, Moses, why don't we just go back? Why? Because the past is so enticing to us. It calls back to us. In slavery, they would get their children taken from them and killed. In slavery, they'd get beaten. But they're saying, Moses, I remember this. This was comfortable for me. I want to go back. And so many of you and so many of people in my life and so many of my own life, do I look back and say, man, I wish I was doing that still. We don't move forward. You can never live in the past and move forward not possible. Look at your past. Evaluate it. Let it make you better. But you're not defined by your past. 
actually, you can be prepared by your past. It can take you to another place. I almost think here that Jesus is doing a callback to a story in the Old Testament. If you guys know the story of Elijah and Elisha, Elijah was this amazing prophet. Elijah did all these miracles. He parted the Jordan. He did these incredible things. He had someone rise from the dead. Elijah was incredible. And Elijah, he, he, he was an awesome prophet of God. And the story tells us in the book of Kings that Elisha was out in the field plowing away. Every day, plowing. And Elijah walks up to Elisha and he takes his mantle mantle is probably a, a fur thing and he, and he puts it on his neck he puts it on Elisha this was symbolically him passing the baton the anointing that God gave me I'm going to give to you Elisha and the story tells us that Elijah he, Elisha, he, he, he goes home and he sees his family and he tells him mom you, you don't understand Like this is what I've always done in my life but God's done something new in me like God's changing my life. Like God, God wants to do something different now. I know that I've always plowed these fields. I know that I've always provided for you. I know that I've always done the stuff that you've called me to do. I know that I've always done the things that you've asked me to do, but now there's a new place in my life. God's got a hold of my heart and there's something new for me to do. He tells his dad, dad, I, I know I'm supposed to be here to watch over the kids. I know I'm supposed to be here to watch everything, but God's done something new in my life and I gotta go. The story tells us that Elisha, he opens the door and as he's walking out, he sees his oxen, the ones that he was tending to, the ones that he was working with, and he sees his plow. And the Bible tells us that he takes the plow and he lights it on fire and he burns it, burns it all the way to the ground. Why? Because for Elisha, there's no plan B. God's called me, and so my old way of life those things that I used to do, those things I'm so comfortable with, like I'm not gonna do that anymore because that's not who I am anymore. There's no safety net. If God called him to do something, he was gonna move forward with it. He wasn't gonna live in his past regrets. He burned his past. He said, I'm done with that. And I guess my calling to some of you today, my pleading with some of you today is will you burn your plow? Will you look at the things in your life that you always run back to, and we say, that's not me anymore. Like, here, here's what I'm calling to. Commitment to say, God, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what people say about me, I'm not there anymore. I'm gonna move forward, I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna go to where you've called me to go. And this is such a simple sermon, and you've heard this a million times, but sometimes we have to be reminded that we've gotta burn our plows. We've gotta get rid of those things. The Bible tells us a story, Jesus is talking, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sees a treasure in a field, and he sells everything he has to buy that field. Here's my other question, will you buy the field? Will you go all the way in? Will you say, Jesus, it's just you or nothing else? That's today. And some of us in this room, and I love you, man, I love you, but some of us in this room are content with just sitting right there in that chair, coming in for an hour and then coming back next week and maybe coming back the week after. And I'm calling you to something bigger because lives can be changed when you put yourself into the kingdom. Lives can be changed when your talents show up. Lives can be changed when you say, I'm not gonna be here anymore. I'm going forward with everything that Jesus has given me. When you burn the plow, Will you believe with all your heart 
He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lily of the field. And whatever he calls me to do, I'm going to do it. Will you burn the plows? Will you say, whatever's holding me back, I'm not there anymore. I'm not going to keep going back to that. Will you burn the plows? I'll cross this room with everyone's head bowed and everyone's eyes closed. Just you and me for a second. God, I love you. If today you're saying, Matt, there's some plows in my life. There's some things in my life I keep going back to. And I just need some help. If that's you here today, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you here today, will you slip up a hand? Is there one in the room? Good hand, good hand, good hand. Hands down. God, I love you and I thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just like with me, move us forward. The devil right now is saying that we're never gonna go forward. We're never gonna make it past. But Lord, I pray that you give us the strength to push past that mindset, burn our plows, to go all in. That's Jesus over everything. God, I don't want to be a comfortable follower. I don't want to have a bunch of excuses. I just want to commit to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Love you guys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the world. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.